Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today we're going to explore some of the history of Hillsdale and Hillsdale College. It's a fascinating community and we're going to get into some of the little details of the early history of this wonderful town and county. So Hillsdale gets its name from the terrain. It was one of the 12 southwesterly counties or so that were organized around the same time in uh, 1832. Um, I covered an earlier podcast episode on the formation of those lower counties. Many of those counties were named after the Jackson administration, and they're kind of referred to as the cabinet counties as they were named after the members of the Andrew Jackson cabinet. For example, Calhoun and um, Barry County, those were all cabinet members. Same thing with um, Branch County and Ingram and so forth. However, Hillsdale was named after the hills and the dales, the valleys and the rolling hills of the terrain. And I believe it's the only one in the state of Michigan that was named after its terrain. You could say that Oakland was named after the terrain, but it was really named after the quantity of trees in the area. But that's a discussion perhaps for another time. So Hillsdale is a county that is in south central Michigan, and it borders Indiana and Ohio. In the early days before it was settled as a county, it was the home of the Potawatomi tribe. They are an Algonquin-speaking people who were part of a long-term alliance with the Ojibwe and Odawa people. The Potawatomi band that was in the area during those years was roughly about 150 people, and they were led by a chief known as Ba Beezy, and a base camp was near a large lake in the area where they resided. When the first European settlers arrived in 1834, one of the first ones there was Jeremiah Arnold, and he encountered the band of the Potawatomi tribe, and they helped the early settlers. Um, Arnold erected a cabin and moved in with his wife, Percy Arnold. And those were some of the earlier settlers. They erected the first schoolhouse in 1838. And the city of Hillsdale was established in 1839. In 1840, the U.S. forced out Bob and his people, as well as the other Potawatomi tribe. This was an edict from the Andrew Jackson administration to remove all the Native Americans to the Indian Territory, which was at that time located in Kansas. But over the years, Hillsdale grew and became a railroad town, and it also is the home of Hillsdale College, which I'll get to the origins and founding of that in a moment. Um, But the city of Hillsdale was chartered in 1869, And in 1885, Hillsdale dedicated its first high school building, which is now on West Street, and today it's a middle school. But in the uh, late 1800s, Hillsdale became a booming railroad town served by both freight and passenger trains. The railroad was used by tourists to enjoy cottages and other facilities along Bobbeezy Lake, which was named after the Potawatomi chief. And it's about 20 minutes from the downtown area, so people would be able to take in the railroad into town and then uh, take transport down to the lake resort area. And it was a nice convenient destination because people could avoid 
long, dusty travel and take the railroad right into Hillsdale. And it wasn't very far from the line that went to such locations like Chicago and Toledo. After World War II, the construction of interstate highways encouraged the use of automobiles and passenger traffic declined on many of the railroad lines. So railroads had to restructure and the last passenger train left Hillsdale in 1956. But dozens of the Victorian homes had been built during the prosperity of the 19th century, and many are still occupied as private residences today in the city's historic district. So let's take a look at the history of Hillsdale College, because they have received a lot of national attention in recent years. They are well known as a private college. Hillsdale College was founded as Michigan Central College, originally in Spring Arbor, Michigan in 1844. Nine years later, it moved to Hillsdale and assumed its current name, Hillsdale College. As stated in its Articles of Association, the college undertakes its work grateful to God for the inestimable blessings resulting from the prevalence of civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety in the land, and believing that the diffusion of sound learning is essential to the perpetuity of these blessings. So, though the original college was established by Free Will Baptist, Hillsdale has been officially non-denominational since its original inception. It was the first American college to prohibit in its charter any discrimination based on race, religion, or sex, and became an early force for the abolition of slavery. It was also the second college in the nation to grant four-year liberal arts degrees to women. So that's a very fascinating history. When you take in the context of the time, it was pre-Civil War, and they were very much ahead of their time as a college in the nation. Now, a professor and preacher, Ransom Dunn, who would serve Hillsdale College for half a century, raised money to construct the new Hilltop campus in the early 1850s by riding 6,000 miles on horseback on the Wisconsin and Minnesota frontier. It was largely through Dunn's efforts that Hillsdale would survive while over 80% of colleges founded before the Civil War would not. A higher percentage of Hillsdale students enlisted during the Civil War than from any other Western college. Of the more than 400 who fought for the Union, four earned the Congressional Medal of Honor, three became generals, and many more served as regimental commanders, and 60 gave their lives in that war. Because of the college's anti-slavery reputation and its role in founding the new Republican Party, Professor Edmund Fairfield was a leader at the first Republican convention, which was a combination of uh, abolitionists and members of the Whig Party and Free Soil Party that got together and founded the Republican Party here in Michigan. Many notable speakers visited the campus of Hillsdale College during the Civil War, including Frederick Douglass and Edward Everett, who preceded Lincoln at Gettysburg in terms of speaking. Now, in modern times, Hillsdale rose to prominence in the late 1970s. 
on the pretext that some of its students were receiving federal loans, the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare attempted to interfere with the college's internal affairs, including a demand that Hillsdale begin counting its students by race. So they objected to this. The Hillsdale trustees responded with two toughly worded resolutions. One, the college would continue its policy of non-discrimination. And two, with the help of God, it would resist by all legal means any encroachments on its independence. So essentially, Hillsdale's position was if they began counting people by race, they would inevitably have to exclude people based on race. Which, when you look at it from their point of view, you can understand where they were coming from and setting aside your own personal viewpoint on it. Whenever you start counting people by race, then you're inevitably going to be excluding people by race at the same time. And so they felt that this went against their policies that they had in place, which was to not exclude any students based on race or national origin. And this was in the 1970s when this movement came in on the college from the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. So following almost a decade of litigation, the U.S. Supreme Court decided against Hillsdale in 1984. By this time, the college had announced that rather than complying with what they felt was an unconstitutional federal regulation, it would instruct the students that they would no longer be able to bring federal tax dollar money to Hillsdale. Instead, the college would replace that aid with private contributions. And since that time, they've been very successful on raising private contributions to provide student aid for those students going to college and needing a Assistance. Hillsdale continues to carry out to this day its original mission, both in the classroom and nationwide, through its many outreach programs. It includes its uh, monthly speech digest called Imprimus and a prayer written in the Bible that was placed inside the 1853 cornerstone of the Central Hall reflects its continuing commitment. And that prayer reads, May earth be better and heaven be richer because of the life and labor of Hillsdale College. So if you go to the hillsdale.edu website, there's a tremendous amount of information on there. And that's where I've gotten a lot of the history of the college that I've included in today's podcast episode so far. I've also looked at a lot of other online resources, and it all is fairly consistent with the historical timeline of Hillsdale. And they are amazing in that they are a private college, but they also offer a lot of free online courses to anybody. They don't discriminate based on age or anything. These courses are free. They do ask for donation. There's about a dozen on free online courses about different aspects of history. There's one course of 101 on the Constitution that's a pretty fascinating one. So you can certainly take part in that, uh, even if you're busy with your life and you just want to get a little college courses under your belt, Hillsdale offers some opportunities. Whether you're trying to go for a degree or not, or you just want to learn more about a particular subject, they've got some interesting free online courses on their college website. So there's an interesting coat of arms with Hillsdale College. It was designed by the Hillsdale College Alumni Association. And John Wolfe of the Newberry Library in Chicago developed the college heraldy included 
in this design. And it's a pretty complex drawing, but it's got a lot of uh, interesting features. There's a, a rearing charger, which is a horse at the very top, and its nickname, that is the nickname for the Hillsdale athletic teams. There's a book of knowledge added into the design of 1844. The helmet from the Blackmar coat of arms, referring to Esbon Blackmar, donor of the college's original 25 acres, which is kind of an interesting tie into history. There's the Bell of Independence, the Liberty Bell, and then in the design also is a seashell to commemorate the heroism of Charles V. Gridley during the Battle of Manila Bay in 1898. It also includes the Lamp of Learning, so there's a, a lamp in there. And then there's two crosses which indicate the religious background of the school. And then there's crossed swords representing the magnificent role of Hillsdale College in the Civil War. So the Hillsdale motto is Virtuous Virtus Tentamine Godet which translates to strength rejoices in the challenge. And also it's inscribed on the scroll at the base of the coat of arms for the Hillsdale College coat of arms. So it's a pretty uh, fascinating piece of artistic design. It has a lot of historical significance to the early days of college, as well as some of the original alumni and referring to the history of so many students that served in the Civil War. So the 20th century brought some additional improvements to the city of Hillsdale. In 1908, the city opened its first public library. In 1921, it opened its first hospital. And actually in 1934, it opened the Hillsdale Municipal Airport, which has 5,000 feet of paved lighted runway with instrument approaches and hangars and tie-downs and fuel services available. And incidentally, the railroad that ran through Hillsdale was the Indiana Northeastern Railroad. And apparently part of that railroad still serves Hillsdale today. But the size of Hillsdale is not a tremendously large community. The census of 2000 showed that there was 8,233 people living in the community, and of that were 3,067 households. A lot of the population also, whenever you have a college town, are the college students that live in the area or are living on campus. So it is a smaller college in comparison to the campuses that you'd find in Ann Arbor or in Lansing with the larger state colleges up there. However, it is a unique community unto itself, and Hillsdale College has remained an independent private college following its own charter since 1844, which is quite impressive. And for that, it does get a lot of national attention and students do travel to Michigan to attend college at Hillsdale College from all over the world. So I found the history of Hillsdale quite fascinating when I started looking into it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode and be sure to reach out to me at my website michaeldelaware.com if you have any other suggestions for future podcast episodes or stories that I might investigate in the Southwest Michigan community to bring some more history to the channel here. And as always, I hope that you will join me next time as we take another journey into yesterday and explore yet another fascinating tale from Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening today. Thank you.